welcome back to the Pearl Strong Podcast with me, your host, Becky Dunn. Today, I speak with the wonderful Lauren, a chiropractor who has an extensive background in Pearl. Lauren has her own clinic, The Pearl Doctor, on Instagram. Go and check it out. Treating pole dancers along with her team. This was one of my favourite podcasts. I hope you enjoy this just as much as I did. Let me know your thoughts and whether or not you want a part two. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me. Of course. I really appreciate you making the time. 10 p.m. I'm just going to, I am going to slot that in whilst on the recording so people know the dedication here. <laughs> no, well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm really excited. No, thank you. Um, So tell everybody, actually, I'll, I'm going to, I always, I'll, I'll always say this, I'll hand over, you do the introductions. There's no point in me even trying to pitch what you do. You, you tell everybody what you're about, Um, you know, your background, you hit the ground running. Okay. All right. So I, my name's Lauren. Most people in the poll would probably know me as Lorna. Um, I am a Cairo. I own my own clinic here in Sydney, Australia, and I I have a team of people. So it's me, a massage Pilates instructor, PT, so personal training, and then another Cairo as well. And it's pretty much exclusively a space for pole dancers. So we have a pole in the clinic, we have a gym in the clinic. So it's very, yeah, pole specific. It's the things that I think all pole dancers kind of need to do for their body all rolled into one. So I obviously have I have two degrees, so I have like an undergraduate and a postgraduate in Cairo. Uh, I've been doing pole for over nine years and I've been teaching for probably over eight years. Um, I've also been competing for about eight years. So I guess from all sides of things, I have a fairly good understanding like where my patients are coming from, when they are coming in with injuries or even like injury prevention and things like that. So what is your predominant day predominantly day-to-day Cairo yes yes so I teach I only teach one night a week now so it used to be when I was at uni I was teaching I think four days a week and it's just gradually dropped less and less the more I'm at the clinic treating so now I only teach one night a week wow and is that a local studio or is it like someone that is school that you like you do have your you don't teach from the clinic the pole's just there for post yeah it's mostly there for like Recovery. Um, treating purposes or seeing yeah. like putting people on the pole teaching them about engagement stuff like that I do teach some privates from the clinic Ooh. um so if, teach, if I'm doing private coaching that is from the clinic otherwise yeah I teach at a studio that's semi-local to me I guess it was um actually where I first started doing pole as a student and then I was teaching at a different studio and then I, they invited me back to teach. So it's kind of like my home studio and I've taught there for a really long time. And I love oh, that's it. nice. That's really nice. You look like you've got an amazing setup in your clinic. It's really, really cool. It was, it was one of those things. It was kind of a pipe dream for me. Like I used to have just like a one room clinic. It was just, initially I was renting a room and then it was my own clinic, but it was just one room and a reception. And I was like, one day I want to have this space where pole dancers can come and everything they need is under one roof. And I'd love to have a gym and a pole. And I thought it would be like a 10 year plan. And it just kind of happened. Like my lease was running out and yeah, it was just meant to be with it. And yeah, I think so. I think it was meant to be. Yeah. So I absolutely love it. Like I love going to work every day and 
the people I get to treat and hang out with. It's it's a pretty cool gig. I really can't complain. So uh, it's everyone that you work with. I've seen I've seen your team, and you see them on across the um, your Instagram platform too. You see various yeah. different people in the Instagram bits. Um, are they all pollers? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they've been polling for a long time, like you. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, pretty much. I think. Wow. Nat, the massage therapist, myotherapist, Pilates instructor, she's been te- she's been polling for probably a similar amount of time to me, maybe a little bit less. Alana, the PT, has been polling for like two years less than me, and I think Megan about the same amount of time. So yeah, everyone's like does teach or has taught. Uh, Nat also teaches aerials, like sling and lira and stuff as well. So she's yeah. very talented. Nice. Um, but yeah, we've we've all been in the pole world for quite a long time, which is nice. Which is so, so important. That's actually the biggest one. Of the, that must be one of the biggest uh, attractions to you as a, as a Cairo as well and your whole team. Like even even as an online coach in this space, so many people say like the fact that you work with us, like work with polars and you understand the body in the way that it's being used is just so, so important because a lot of physios don't understand or Cairo's or, you know, massage therapists yeah. don't understand how we are using the 100%. body. I find that the same with like trainers as well. Like people sort of come in, they're like, yeah. oh, I have a trainer. And like, you know, they, they're telling me I need to strengthen my abs or whatever. And I'm like, well, actually looking at your body, that's not what's going on. Like they just, they don't, they think they understand based on the small amount of videos they see, but they don't actually understand how nuanced the movements that we do are and the strength that's actually required, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have that a lot. Or people have previously had PTs and then mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. So what type of training plan were you doing? And like, it, like it, I will never take away the fact that some, like people are doing training plans and in yes. the gym training, like absolutely incredible. Better but, than that. Yeah, absolutely. But a lot of people I speak to are either, it's the same with people going to the gym. They're going, they go to the gym and they're like, well, I'm not really seeing any progress. I'm like, yeah, because you're not really training yeah like, you don't have a plan it's not yeah. specific yes yeah it's not quite the right muscle so um okay cool so you predominantly um uh treat polar narrative so what is the most common thing that you see oh probably shoulder <laughs> yeah i would say it's gotta be in there it's gotta be <laughs> It's probably the number one, I would say, probably closely followed maybe by hamstring. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's generally speaking, shoulder is probably one of the most common ones. And the shoulder injuries that you come across, is that from, is that more in the, is it a whole mix across the shoulder? Is it more come from the rotator cuff from, you know, or like from like different areas of the shoulder? Like, do you see, or is it really varied? It's generally, it's not necessarily generally the rotator cuff as in like a tear or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but it generally always involves the rotator cuff or lack of rotator cuff strength, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of it also comes from overuse, Um, like a zero to a hundred or like I finally got a twisted grip handspring and now I did 6,000 of them (laughs) or uh, not really understanding, I think, um, how to actually engage the shoulder when we're overhead is really, really commonly poorly taught in our industry and not really superly well understood. So I think I have a lot of patients that also come in and that's a big factor. And sort of the second that I'm getting them either like in a hanging position off like a chin up bar or on the pole and I make a few small adjustments, they're sort of already like, oh, my shoulder feels a lot better. So I think part of it is 
yeah, poor mechanics as well as often weakness in the rotator cuff overhead. Definitely, definitely. What do you think is, or do you, I, this might be a little bit hard to um, uh, pinpoint, but what do you think is missing? What is the lack of knowledge from a lot of instructors or, you know, just trainers with the overhead? I think, I think it's it's overhead mechanics in general. So it's the, like, people preaching the down and back in the overhead shoulder. Yeah. That's probably the, if I had to pinpoint one thing, it would be overuse and zero to a hundred and it would be down and back generally tends to be something that causes a lot of injuries because we're overhead and that's not actually the optimal position of engagement for the shoulder. And I think that's what causes a lot of people a lot of discomfort. I wonder where that initially come from. Down and back is always, I remember queuing down and back when I first, mm-hmm. like when I first started teaching sort of years ago. Um, I think it comes from a good place. I mean, I don't know. I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think yeah. it comes from a place of don't hang out of your shoulder, which is also mm. correct. You don't just want to hang there. Mm. But I think, yeah, down and back came from not understanding how to properly cue, staying engaged whilst overhead without hanging out there, not engaged. Yeah. So I guess it was potentially people viewed it as the lesser of two evil. They probably didn't realize it was evil, but I guess it's a less evil than completely hanging unengaged from the shoulder potentially. So yeah. imagine that's where it came from. And it's just been it's just passed down and passed on. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. like if, if you're if you're if you're if you're um studio or your instructor whatever it might be um you you just hear it it's been it's been mm-hmm. taught for so your long your instructor but... taught you that so then you teach that yeah. way and like it perpetuates I think yeah absolutely and it's really interesting but I'm not so shocked I'm not shocked on the sh- on the shoulder I knew it would be shoulder <laughs> hamstring <laughs> because yeah, it's it. yeah because it's the one that's like like you say it's overused but not only that um it's I don't think a lot of the time it's warmed up properly either um you know I had a I had a student in the other day and we were doing twisted grips and she was saying that she when she was at this other school they were doing twisted grip handsprings but like there was no real no real shoulder warm-up like or even even if I've done a shoulder warm-up I'll still go into like um even at like down to like your scapular shrugs on the pole then into mm-hmm. your butterflies extended butterflies like your progressions and then go like really making sure that you're warmed up through movement and then instead of just going straight into your twisted grip for example like it's so yeah. much pressure through the shoulders isn't it and that's sometimes again where like there's not enough information or there's missing information and students yes. are just going straight into these moves mm-hmm. without the prerequisites I think too is a yeah. big thing like I find that is a huge thing. So sometimes people come to my classes and they're like, oh, I actually felt really warm. And I'm like, you haven't felt that in prior classes? (laughs) That's a bit of a red flag. Um, And then the other thing I find is like people coming up from sort of slightly lower levels and they've gone from their butterfly to their extended butterfly and there's no understanding of like a push in the bottom like overhead arm and yes. a pull in the top arm in in, yes. in a true grip for example they're just kind of hanging out of their top arm their bottom arm isn't even overhead at this point because of the angling of their body so they don't understand that push pull and then it comes to twisted grip and they're down and backing their twisted grip shoulder because they think that's the how right they stay up whereas it should actually be more of a focus on like a, a pushing in the bottom arm to keep you up 100 
I, I speak about that a lot. I come across that so much as a trainer. You get to that <laughs> butterfly um, and then you're like, all right, I want to get to extended, but from, from butterfly to extended and therefore out into your D, stuff like that, it is a huge jump. It mm -hmm. really, really is. Like, I know it's not in terms of shape-wise syllabus. It makes sense that that's the next progression move, but yeah. oh my God, it is a huge, huge jump. Like the, all of a sudden, that's what that, and that's where I set, tend to find that people get stuck the most is the yes. extended butterfly because it's I think people are so shocked by how much is required in, yeah in the push and pull and then yes. like when you talk about that bottom arm like I have so many students that will say oh I'm, I'm not even really pushing <laughs> yes you <laughs> tell them like, and they're like oh what do you mean and it's, yeah yes I think for me it's the biggest issue I see is not the extended butterfly because I find sometimes people can kind of still manage to hang out a bit in the foot, a bit off to the side and bear yes. a lot of weight in the foot. It's the, yeah. it's doing the extended properly. But then what I find, because I don't tend to teach, like I only teach three classes and they're a bit higher leveled. So yeah. people tend to get to me already with, I guess, sometimes bad habits. Oh, okay, and yeah. They kind of, like I found, particularly when I was teaching, like the level where they start learning their static fees and they were like, I'm like, you have no hope in balancing this because you're just trying to balance. You're not engaging because you don't mm. have the push-pull. And it's not from any kind of fault of theirs. It's often just that they've never been told to push and pull. And yeah. so when it then comes time to going from the D, like legs out into a static V, they don't have the engagement to have the balance. They're just kind of hoping that their legs fall in the right spot and they can happen to like hang out there rather mm. than engage there. Yeah, and I think people underestimate how much engagement is happening too. Like it's not just that push and pull. You need that, that you know, you need you need strong legs, you need strong hip flexors and the core, all of it, all of it yeah, needs to work obliques. together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, the obliques are huge. They like they literally yeah. wrap around the body, as you know. Like we use them so so much. But I say this a lot as well too. I don't know how you feel about this, so it'd be interesting. But a lot of people will say to me, Can you give me my like core exercises? Mm -hmm. I'm like, like we can do core exercises and we should train our core. But mm -hmm. for me, like I have and this is personally too, I've had the most success and the the strength strengthening of my core literally as a byproduct of deadlift squats like cross training in like single leg deadlifts windmills mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. turkish get-ups stuff mm -hmm. where like your core is doing you know not just your stuff where your core is um like a, just working like it has it's to stabilize well not passively but it's it has to stabilize you or you're yes. going to crumble under the weight you're lifting <laughs> and it, i agree a hundred percent i cannot agree with that more yeah. And I think that's where pole dancers go wrong. They don't really understand no. how to engage their core. They don't understand like stiff spine versus not stiff spine because they don't understand that core engagement. And I think I think a lot of people think their core is weak and it's it's not necessarily weak. It's that they don't really have the body awareness to understand what they're actually meant to be doing. They don't understand mm. what their core even is. They think it's just like rectus abdominis, like six pack yes. on the front. <laughs> The show muscles, that's what I call them. They're yes. The, they're just the show muscles, aren't they? They're just, they are. They're just the prime movers. That's all you're working yep. is like yep. the, your little your little four, six-pack muscles that we all want, which is great. But actually, you know. They don't do No, they don't do anything. You're right. In yeah. pole, we don't actually have a lot of like spinal flexion really. Like actually when you look at a, a, a proper invert, for example, like everyone thinks that's what it is. 
but it's actually not really it's it's actually a hinge movement and yes. you just kind of need that core stabilizing as you said it's the same with all your weightlifting it's literally just there to stop your spine from moving which mm. still requires a lot of core strength obviously but it's not I don't know, to me, all the like leg lifts and things that are done often in like conditioning for core stuff or like kind of, yeah, like spinal rolling. I mean, it's not really what's going to get your invert because your invert's actually more of a hinge movement. Yeah. And this is why I love like kettlebell swings for one. Yeah. Like, like, I love swings. I, I'm a kettlebell girl for and through. So. <laughs> but like, I've definitely seen some kettlebell stuff on, on your page. So <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Um, but it is, you're right, that hip hinge style, like strengthening through like so many different muscles, not just mm -hmm. like your little, your little leg lifts or yeah stuff like that. I but yeah, that's something that's a bit oversold in the pole world is like, oh, do these leg lifts and it'll solve all your problems. And it's like, it probably won't really solve much at all. No, I think it's great for like people coming into a beginner class. If you're right, like strip it back very, very beginning or like whilst you're building up your strength, especially just getting used to lifting your body weight off the floor. Uh, mm. body, and, and that actually more comes down to body awareness. Yes. <laughs> you know, more than like, how is that feeling in the armpit can I actually like when you take your legs off the floor more than focusing on like it using your core like can you actually feel that you're pulling down on the arm you know like those mm -hmm. movements more than like and again the awareness of what the body is doing over and above like oh, I'm just gonna do the crunches because I want to work my core yeah exactly like you know in your invert prep can you actually keep a stiff spine and a hinge movement or are you just kind of tucking your knees to your chest and rolling through and as a result getting a lot of rounding through the shoulder blades which also that's another thing i see a lot of invert injuries like rib irritation from like poor postured inverts i see that through the back too i don't know if you get much of that i see a lot of people say that they get a, they get like a pinching sensation or sometimes a bit of pain through the lap yeah that's mm. yeah so that's what i sort of mean by like ribs it's that like oh where it touches the yeah, 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 yeah yeah the back, not the front ribs more okay, so, yeah. yeah the back ribs sort of yeah between the spine and the shoulder blades mm -hmm. super mm -hmm. common area to injure with inverts and, and again often it comes down to technique yeah and where it's just like where you're rounding and not engaging where you where you need to where yes. you need to engage yeah. yeah I mean the like say the twisted grip is this is this is why I just think it's so so important to cross train if you do yep. this if you do this sport like your shoulders aren't you need the stabilizing muscles around the yes. rotator cuff around the shoulder to be strong that's what's being pulled that's what's being like that's what's yeah. being compromised isn't it when you're you know, when you feel that niggle, you know, yep. it's so, so, so important. But also a little bit of going back to overhead, like overhead screening too. Mm -hmm. I, just spoke, I just spoke to my student and uh, my students. I spoke to my instructors about this last week about how to screen students and whether mm -hmm. that, whether the tightness in the shoulders is, well, actually, sorry, whether the shoulder, overhead shoulder mobility, is that actually coming from the shoulders or is that maybe coming from the lats or, you know, the chest? Like mm -hmm. there's ways that you can screen that as you know you know but yep. you know yep. other people other people don't like no you know, they don't or are they actually just extending through the lower back mm. and feeding what looks like full overhead but really they're actually just arching the back yes yeah and you can like you can screen that just by getting your students to sit against a wall and making mm -hmm. sure that they're not 
like compromising through the lower back and from there you can say actually we need to work on this or strengthen this or whatever it might be before we try and get you into a ballerina position like from that yeah. you know that that real big twist that ballerina is probably the worst Do you think? The, i think that it's easy to be honest like i see so many people get, move mm. but it's it, it yeah it's a lot on the shoulder it is it is and i think from you can't learn the advanced ballerina or an intermediate ballerina if, even if you're not grabbing that back foot um without going through that beginner that be, the beginner mechanics of it and it's that as well I think that puts the, the beginner one's the worst yeah like it's so overhead in the shoulder and we, te- we teach it so early on like it's probably more intense on the shoulder than a twister grip hands ring to be honest but we're doing it yeah straight away with no understanding of proper engagement and again it's the down and back which in a twister grip is even worse than in a true grip I've never heard of down and back in twisted well obviously I've heard of it but like I've I've never cued down and back in twisted grip like good <laughs> yeah yeah like oh my god like that it's just that in itself would fit that would feel mm-hmm. unstable it like, hurts like you literally do it you can, you can feel it pinching yes I can feel I remember that. I actually need to post these photos. I took photos and I like I got someone to take photos of my back so you can see all my back muscles of me in like a proper overhead with like protraction and upwards rotation of the shoulder blades. So like if you're looking at someone from the back, their shoulder blades should be kind of around near their armpits and up, I guess, mm. is the description of that if people understand from listening. But I should post the photos. But there was that, and then I was trying to demonstrate what, like, how it visually looks when the shoulders are like cued down and back when you're overhead. And I was trying to take some photos, and I think I did it in hanging and not in hanging. I did it twice, and afterwards I was like, my shoulders are sore. Like my shoulders were pinchy, wow. and they hurt for like a few hours afterwards just from demoing this like incorrect technique, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if this hurts my shoulders this much and I know what I'm doing when I'm doing it. like, And you you've got strong shoulders. People have, yeah, you can see why people have so many issues. Wow. Yeah, you do need to post that. That's that's beneficial. <laughs> yeah, because I it's really just, should. yeah, you should. Like, you need to do that tomorrow. <laughs> All right, <onto> it. <laughs> Accountability here. No, but that's right. really, really important. Like, it's that type of information, you know, that um, is missing and then instructors being able to see it and being like oh okay now I understand or like I've always I always say this to any SNC or you know anyone that has um, a medical background on the body um the instructor qual is amazing you need it it gives you the basis the basis of pole te- teaching stuff like that but that in-depth knowledge of how the body works and how to engage and how to strengthen and what to look out for is is just so important and there's been so much resistance around cross training and in the industry for so long like how long have you been posting your drills tips stuff because like you just have to keep being relentless with it but it's yeah you really do (laughs) um it's been years that we've been posting things um and you know people are definitely coming around to it and I get it I get it people take up pole most mostly people that take up pole don't like the gym that's why they take up pole because it's a fun type of exercise but once I mean even from a lower level but particularly if you want to be good at this sport unfortunately there are things you have to do that you don't like that is part of any 
life skill. There yeah. are parts of it you have to do that you love and there are parts of it you have to do that you don't love. And unfortunately, in my opinion, cross-training is one of those things that regardless of whether or not you like it, try and find something you do like. But regardless, it's kind of, in my opinion, not really an optional thing if you if you do, do want to be good and if you want to be uninjured and if you yes. want to progress. Yes. Yes to all of that. All of that. <laughs> um, it's so, so, so true. Um, but I think when you change your mindset around it, when you when you change mm-hmm. the training around a performance based mindset in yes. terms of this is what's going to make you stronger, just to eliminate the I always say to my girls, um, you you won't realize how important this is until you are injured. If you, like, yeah. we, we want to prevent that anyway, but until yeah. you have that injury where you have been, you're being told that you have to be out for eight weeks or, you know, however long, or you can't do a particular movement because you get that twinge in your shoulder or whatever it might be, like, yeah. then you're like, okay, I want to do this immediately. But also people, I think there's a real um, a gap here where there's a lot of people who get into pole, like you say, because they don't really like the gym. They like that it keeps them fit. It does get you in great shape. It's incredible for the body. And then a lot of people get hooked. They start doing pole like two, three times a week. A bit like you did when you were at uni, teaching four times a week. Like mm-hmm. you just you just fall in love, don't you? And like I remember yes. when I first started, even now, uh, but I I was doing it as much as I could. Like it's I like could, you just you get so yeah. obsessed with it. Which is fine, but then you're in athletic territory. It's very mm-hmm. boring because I say this a lot on my pods. It's very, very boring of me, but you are <laughs> you are in athletic territory. That and- I think is a big issue. People view pole as an art form. And don't get me wrong, it absolutely is. It is a beautiful art form, but you are also an athlete. Yes, yes. you can call it whatever you want, but at the end of the day, what you are doing is athletic. You are an athlete and you can put as much art into it as you want and that's great and beautiful and creative and I love all of that about pole. It's why I love pole. But at the end of the day, you are an athlete and you need to treat your body like you are an athlete or you won't be an athlete for very long. A- men it's so 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 true but you are Mm -hmm. you know and you're so right it's not it's just viewed as like actually doctor I don't know if you followed Dr Emily Roush or you know if you don't know much about her yeah did her um she has a circus medicine course and it's for like health providers that want to learn more about circus and I actually did it I was a little bit concerned initially. I was like, I already treat pole people. Like, will I learn much? And it was amazing. It was really, really incredible. Like to any health providers that actually want to treat or do treat circus and pole and aerial athletes, cannot recommend it enough. She's great. She's so knowledgeable. She's really, really good. And she's a chiropractor too, isn't she? She's in a similar. I think she's, yeah, or a physical therapist. I think they call it in America. So my be more like a physio but like same thing same mm. medical provider yeah. yeah absolutely and you know we when we were talking about the exact same thing she was saying you know like ballet dancers cross train mm-hmm. you don't see ballet mm-hmm. as like you mm-hmm. know I think Paul is seen as I think the the like you say the art of it the dance of it which it absolutely is and but if you want to do this well <laughs> and you want to do you like you say you want to do it for the long run yep. well, you have to you yeah. have to look after your any body. Sport. You look at any sport, like any soccer, sport. soccer yeah. they, like the world's best soccer players, they don't do S&C for fun. Like their coaches do not have them playing soccer and doing soccer skills for their entire training no. week. Adults, gymnasts, elite gymnasts, like in their off season, they're doing so much cross training. Like it, it, you know, it tapers down 
and it's very specific and it's very different towards competing season, but it's all really specific. And there is so much cross training in there because there has to be. That was, I, um, I've done loads of research on gymnasts, um, strength and conditioning programs, and their cross training element is fairly quite new I don't know if you've done much reading about it or like it's okay. because only no and not 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 new like even in the like, last couple of years but like basically because old school gymnast coaches used yep. to be so like train 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 like yeah you know you know what I mean like with like <laughs> yeah. gymnast gymnasts used to train like eight hours a day every day yeah. of the week and then they were finding that the um the injury rate in gymnasts were incredibly high like up in the like, lifespan of a competitive gymnast is yes. tiny they were tired yes. they're like 18 like yeah still a child. exactly and it's because their body a lot of the time is fucked <laughs> yeah. um and it's because and and the, i just this was just something that i read in a like a, a study where they started to introduce cross training um and then realizing that the injury or the rate of injury was decreasing um yeah and it's just something that they never again it's that old school values gymnast is like yep. very different anyway mm -hmm. but you're totally right my husband the other day sent me a photo of like a whole bunch of athletes so you've got like eat like um tennis players um golfers footballers it doesn't matter it, like it does not matter the mm -hmm. sport every single they all do it they all do it um yeah. and they're all in the gym he actually sent me a photo of every gymnast um not every gymnast every athlete that he was sending me like um Ronaldo was one I think Simone Biles was another the gymnast was the best one. athletes in the world the best yeah all these all these like amazing athletes one was I can't remember the tennis player he sent me um but they but all these photos that he sent me were them in the gym and he mm -hmm. was basically saying to me like use this as content like use this to show yeah. that, like these all these high-end athletes that we that, you know that are in that are performing at the highest level are doing cross training they're in the gym it's part of their it's part of their percent. I always use this analogy and I keep meaning to make an Instagram post but it seems too complicated and too nuanced so I don't but I always use this analogy like people are like oh but I got really good without cross training yes. me too me too I did and then I got really injured but my thing is if the, I, I use this in reference to my clinic because my clinic is located near a Westfield. And so I'm like, okay, we're at the clinic and you ask me how to get to Westfield. And I can say to you, go right, go all the way down the road, three kilometers, then take another right, then turn left, then turn right again, then turn right on the main road, come back four kilometers, turn left <laughs> into the Westfield. Did you get to the Westfield? Yes, you did get to the Westfield. So I didn't give you incorrect information. However, I could have said, go left, go hundred meters down the road and the Westfield's there. Mm -hmm. Was that not a better way for me to tell you to get to the Westfield? So for me, yeah, you did get good without cross training. Yeah, you might still be good without cross training, but you could be better. You could be doing it more efficiently. You could be doing it safer. Like just because you're doing it a certain way doesn't mean it is the best way or the correct way or the easiest way. It might work for you, probably won't work for others, but also there could be better ways. Like, it's not that it doesn't work. It just could work faster and easier and better. And why wouldn't you want that? Hi, honey, me again. Are you looking to level up your pole game, get super strong, but don't know where to start? Well, I got you, boo. I have the perfect plan to build some foundations. My six-week kettlebell plan is perfect for complementing pole with free workouts a week. The plan can be used over and over and is a great way to measure your strength, stamina, and muscle endurance. If you love the first plan, I have a follow-on plan available, or you can buy both for £40. 
With unlimited access to a private Instagram page, it's a no-brainer. Come and get Polestrong with me. If this sounds like a little bit of you, I've linked my website in the show notes below where you can purchase both plans. Anyways, back to the pod. I totally agree. Like I I was training maybe five, six times a week, pole, And I was strong. Like I wasn't not strong. Like when I look back at my videos, I've done comparison videos today from like, sorry, comparison videos from like 2016 to today. And people comment like, I would take 2016 still, you know, and, and I was, yes. still, I was still strong. I was, I was, yep. I was strong, but believe me, when I started cross training and doing mm-hmm. it the way that like worked for like I, when I got into kettlebell training in particular for me, my God, what did I level up and did my yep. whole, everything for me leveled up. Like yep. I look Same. back, I look back at um like, I'm looking I'm looking back at I've spoken about this a lot but I'm looking back at like last year now because I'm pregnant I'm currently pregnant yes congratulations thank you I'm looking back at my like my physique and my strength and being like oh my god wow I was at such a high a high peak and not even Mm -hmm. realizing that I was like I was in it but like my everything for me leveled up when I had the cross training when my nutrition was right when like I remember being I remember doing a, I was really, really lucky to do a collaboration with um, Xpol and um, be part of their, be part of their um, campaign last year. And I remember doing like INXs and um, like um, the air walks up to deadlift, up to INX back yeah. up after that coming out and all this stuff and it being so comfortable, like not yeah. even like, I didn't even get down like, oh God, that was so hard. Like everything felt strong. I felt stable. I felt secure. And I still do now, but like, you know, why would you not want that? Why would you not want to yeah. be at like, the peak? 100%. That of is your like performance. And like... even now being pregnant, I still can INX. I can still, and, and again, it's all relevant. I'm not saying that everyone should INX when you're pregnant. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> yes. saying that. Yes. You but... have the background to be able to do it. Yes, yes. But because of your background, yes. you can do it. I feel strong. I feel secure. I feel safe. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's that for me is the, the biggest part, feeling safe. Yes. And, and like, like, the body awareness too, I think gives you that feeling of safety because you yes. know when you have something or when you don't have something because mm-hmm. you're so body aware. Like people ask me, they're like, oh, you do all these crazy flips and crazy things. Don't you have any fear? I'm like, hell do I have heaps of fear? I have a business and I have to keep a roof over my head and pay my mortgage. <laughs> I have heaps of fear. Don't get me wrong. But I am so body aware that I know within reason, don't get me wrong, everyone fails, but I know within reason whether I have something or I don't. So I, I take totally my yes or no do I have this yes or no do I need a spot yes or no and that body awareness comes it comes from time but it also comes a lot from cross training from understanding how your body moves the way it's meant to move how to isolate certain things that also and like just strength as well makes you feel safe I I couldn't agree more like the safety element of it all like when I'm I'm the same as you in stuff like flips yes you get a little bit of like you can get a little bit scared and it's just that initial mm-hmm. like it's just that it's just a natural fear it's not like yeah. but the difference is it's not the fear of that I can't do it or I don't think I can do it it's the fear mm-hmm. of just like oh this is a little bit scary can it's someone spot like, you once doing... and I'll be fine yeah it's a, I'm doing something new I'm going upside down and taking yes. my hands off yes know, rather than I actually feel like I'm in danger fear exactly and there's actually not a lot of things that I come across now where I'm like I don't feel safe doing this because I don't feel like my shoulders got the limitations or, or like if it does being able to identify that being like, you know what, that may mm-hmm. be for me or, you know, whatever that yes. might be. 
But nine times out of 10, I feel so incredibly safe and secure. Um, and that was always the one thing that shocked me, especially when doing like, when, that was always like my go-to routine. I loved it, the air, the air walks up, deadlift, all that jazz, INX, blah, 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 that little routine is all that was always my go-to because I think I like wanted to do it for so long and that was my marker of strength personally if I can do that then I've like I'm fine I know that I'm still at (laughs) good strength but being able to do being able to do the stuff that you love to do with with like feeling secure and feeling like there's just no and with ease I think too like I think another Yes. Kind of related, but a bit different, but not working at 100% of your maximum. Mm-hmm. Like if something is at 100% of your strength capacity, and don't get me wrong, like at some point, your first deadlift is going to be at 100 like it's going to be at 100%. Of course it is. But working, if you're always working at 100%, you have no room for failure. Mm-hmm. If you have 10, 20% left in the tank, whether that's strength, grip strength, flexibility, like if you're wedging yourself into some hectically flexible position and it is at the extreme maximum range that you can get to and something goes wrong, you're screwed. Mm. Yeah. But if you have the extra strength, that extra leeway, like you can work within your like safe range and still be super duper strong but feel really comfortable. And be able to safely come out. That Mm -hmm. for me, like I very... I touch wood, but I very rarely fall out of mm-hmm. not to the point where I'm falling off the pole. Like yes, I'm, yeah. you know, like I've only ever you might fall- bail out of something. Yes, but not falling. Yeah, I get no. And like you say, if you're getting into these really bendy shape, bendy shapes or strengthy shapes, like even some strengthy tricks require so much, like so much body awareness and understanding of how to come out and how to get like that's actually something that I'm really really big on like I don't care if you think you can do that move if you can't get in safely and get out safely yep. I don't want you yep. to do it yeah like when we're not here just to do the trick do you, yes. do you, do you know what I mean like I think not... so you know poles and aesthetics board they're also the it also then turns into can you do it nicely can you get into it nicely can you get can out you... of it nicely yes. can you like does it yeah exactly like you know what we're realistically what we're doing for the most part is an aesthetic based sport and if you can do it but it looks difficult and people are wincing watching you and they're scared for you that's an issue yeah that's a red flag yeah 100%, yeah no you're you're totally totally right and it is that I'm, I'm really big on installing that uh in in, in my school in particular in my students like why would you pop? I don't understand why you'd want to do a trick if you can't get in nicely, like, and then put it into a combo and make it flow and perfect it. Mm-hmm. And but all of that requires yeah. strength. The flow element. And obviously, too, it starts somewhere. Like you know, initially when you do the trick, it's going to be hard to get into an out. Oh. It's probably going to be ugly. Like that's you that's know, fine. it's fine. Like that, we're not saying don't try something because it's ugly. That's the first yes. step. It's always ugly. Yes. It's always ugly. And then getting in and out of it nicely is the second and then putting it in a combo. But yeah, like I think people are really quick to move on. They're very yeah. quick to like, yes. tick, I've got that. Let's move on mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than can I do it, as you said, with strength, with comfort? Does it look nice? And they're the things also that keep you safe. hundred percent. So going back to what you said, I completely, absolutely agree. Not saying that if you can't do something not very nice, you shouldn't do it at all because <laughs> yeah. you have to understand it. Like sometimes my student, like I know some people can get in and out of it safely and they'll be like, um, oh, but it doesn't look very nice. I'm like, no, because you didn't, you didn't understand that end positioning or where you needed to go. You need Mm -hmm. your, 
like um I had a perfect perfect example this actually works a lot for me and I, I do this a lot it's the same with like tuck handstands you know like if you're in twisted grip or next to the pole oh, uh, yes. on the floor and you tuck up into a handstand now a lot of people struggle I come across anyway personally a lot of people struggle mm-hmm. to get their hips up and a mm-hmm. lot of the time it's because um they don't understand where that end positioning is they don't mm-hmm. understand where that sweet spot is like where have you actually how high have you actually got to get your hips because people yes. freak and don't understand how much power is generated and then yep. when you reverse engineer it so like I had a student yesterday that could get up into a handspring handspring up into a handstand from like a kick up but couldn't tuck so I was like okay reverse engineer it so get up into your handstand then tuck then come down so, and then like it clicked in her head and then she could yeah stuff like the that. shifting of the bum and things like that 100 percent. absolutely same, i find the same and that's a lot of the way i teach yeah. deadlift as well is like yeah. inx down as low as you can where you can still go back up mm-hmm. so they understand that lifting and then you know starting really low and lifting low and things like that but absolutely yes again i think it, it is that body awareness and the understanding of where you're moving in space absolutely so yes if you do a trick whatever it is and it's not that great and you can and when I say get in nicely and stuff like that by the way all I really care about is that if you can do like if you could if you do a butterfly for example if I'm teaching you a butterfly can you safely come back to a leg hang that's that's unlike can you get yourself back into a position mm-hmm. on the pole where you're like okay cool I can maneuver down from here without falling down but like, that's really what I'm looking for in my marker of like you can safely get in and out but yeah if it's a mess like of course it's going to be stuck your, it always is everyone is your everything body, we learn always your like body that. needs to understand the positioning then you can mm-hmm. affect then you yep. can work on your engagement then you can you know and it, it's in stages isn't it it works yeah it is it, the first stage is is getting it like you know getting in and out of it and getting the trick safely then it's doing yes. it nicely yeah it's breaking it breaking it breaking it down okay mm-hmm. so we've spoken about <clears throat> shoulders it's a really really common one really really important to not only strengthen the shoulders um and there's loads of different ways that you can do that what's your what's your sort of go-to what's your go-to sort of equipment when you do you prefer free bait free bait do you, it's because I was say barbells <laughs> do you prefer free weights are you more dumbbell are you more kettlebell are you more barbell what's your what's your do you have a preferred i find for most people dumbbells are the most kind of accessible yes um like i find just because the weight range like when you you know certain rotator cuff exercises you might use a kilo and it's going to feel like 50 kilos so i think the thing i probably tend to use the most when it comes to those like smaller sort of nuanced movements is dumbbells yeah then little, I little baby ones where you can like twist and, yeah, yeah exactly but don't get me wrong i love a kettlebell for yeah. like you know a bottoms up kettlebell press oh yes and things like that like they're yes. great so get ups all that sort of stuff like those yes. sorts of things are great because the the kettlebell is a bit more unstable so mm-hmm. again for me it's kind of depends on where the person's at like Often for me, it's a lot of like injury. And then once it gets to Strong. training, then I'm passing them on to Alana, which then their rehab becomes training, which is where we want everyone to be at. And so I think we don't have any like machines in the clinic. So it is all like free weights. It's all dumbbells, mm-hmm. kettlebells and barbell stuff. <laughs> so again, I think it depends on what she's doing. Like always, Like when it comes to, I guess, like deadlifts, squats like compound lifting it tends to be barbell yeah but smaller movements it will be yeah dumbbells 
things like that so it, it does depend a little bit I think yeah definitely and I still I still um schedule uh, I still program in the compounds through like barbells I do I do like a um like a barbell squat a barbell deadlift what I'm not the biggest fan of and I, I do still <clears throat> I do still think they're important to train but basically mm-hmm. I've come across uh, a client recently who wanted to improve her overhead mobility or her her overhead strength but was predominantly doing barbell shoulder press yeah which is fine and it's a good way to strengthen but what Mm -hmm. happens is you compensate and you don't you don't really know it and that's why I love the the offset and like the unstableness of free weights to really like for us as um oh I actually saw a really good post on on the the Cairo page about um not always training your bad side because most athletes don't and how correcting uh how correcting your you can correct your sort of imbalances through uh cross training and that's why I love training the free weights so much because you're really focusing on that one that one side over and above like a when we pull we're not really generally doing both sides at the same time no like no pushing pulling like unless you're doing handstand two arm on the floor handstand stuff which is kind of rare and yeah it's like, actually it's re- that it, is quite rare isn't it, it does, it's not it's almost not really pole it's almost acro in yeah. pole routine so like yeah. for the most part pole is not both things happening at once mm. so i yeah i totally do agree with you yeah. with that and i think with a lot of yeah like shoulder stuff even like alana tends to do dumbbells kettlebells mostly most people like she might do like a chest press with a barbell but we don't give a lot of people overhead barbell press i do give we do give some people like a hold like an overhead hold and we'll put weights on like power bands so the weights actually jiggle around and they have to stabilize so you hold it up overhead and then you've got them i've seen a lot of that i want to add i've been meaning to do some of that yes we kind of just like bump them around or like we will give people like an overhead press with the weights but it's like the weight is actually not that like we have an eight kilo barbell so yeah use that and like one kilo plates so it's not necessarily heavy for the person but it's really unstable because when you push quite fast the weights actually like bounce around on the power bands mm. that's something that. we useful yeah yeah i've seen that it's really really good for um that that the imbalances and just stability in general because yeah you've the, because you've got the movement of even though you've got the barbell you've got the you've got the movement and the imbalance it or like the balancing of or the stabilizing of the of those weights yeah. either side and then you've yeah. got a lot of rotator cuff stuff coming yeah. in you've got core coming in it's kind of almost compound in a way mm. but in the good things we like yeah exactly and it's not to say that um overhead presses um like should should be neglected it's just something that mm-hmm. like this uh, this this person in particular it was the only it was the only shoulder exercise they were doing and therefore, yeah. and then, you know, like not, not really seeing much improvement in yeah. pole. And I'm like, well, probably because you're not, you, you're not really challenging the muscle in the way that it needs to be, it needs to be I challenged. I think too, people often tend to do overhead barbell work quite like widely gripped, which is fine, but you're actually not then coming into a full overhead position anyway. Mm, if you're yeah. reasonably wide, you're coming into an overhead-ish position. Mm. Um, rather than a full overhead position so you don't have that leeway to I guess move hands around as much as you would with dumbbells or kettlebells 
Yeah, absolutely. So shoulder is a big one. Hamstrings, we know hamstrings are just awful. <laughs> they're not they're yep. not fun. <laughs> but again, you need to you need to strengthen for your range of motion. Mm-hmm. Not just uh-huh. you know, deadlifts, single leg deadlifts, like X just uh, even um like curls. Um you know, strengthen through the range of motion. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like you need to be able to, if you come down in a drop split, you need to be able to decelerate like crazy. You mm-hmm. need to be able to engage. You need to be able to come out of a dangerous position. Like you also need to be able to activate to pull yourself into those positions. Like if you want a jade split, for example, so many people are like, oh, but my split on the floor is flat. My jade looks like a pizza. And it's like, cool. Cause you can't, you have no active hip extension. Like, yeah. Yeah, so all of that comes down to strengthening. I find that a lot actually with both pole and aerial. That I've got a lot of people that are upper body strong, upper body strong, mm-hmm. and then it comes to doing these moves that require your like not hips to get not not necessarily like just getting your hips up, but require activation through the lower body. And because mm-hmm. their lower body is so is so weak because they're not training any form of any form of lower body. Um, they're just they're not able they're not able to get their their body up into position because they can't engage their hamstrings they can't engage their glutes they can't use you can you can clearly identify that that level of weakness and it's the same thing I you think do. it's a line thing the, your yes. lines are oh my so god yes nicer, mm. which is a huge thing for most pole dancers they want things to look nice mm-hmm. and your lines will look so much nicer if you have strong glutes strong hamstrings strong quads strong hip flexors like that's all part of it but also when they're strong, when it comes to the engagement, like you're not going to be, well, hopefully not really something that I don't really get that much at all is like cramp. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's the thing. Cramping comes so often from like using a muscle right to its absolute maximum capacity, particularly mm-hmm. in a shortened range. So yeah. when we're talking squeezing the knees, like the, you know, your quad can be in quite a shortened position, same with pointing toes, stuff like that. So when you have those, not I guess not weaknesses but when you're not super strong yeah cramping huge one yeah I don't really my 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 I mean I might get the odd like foot cramp every now and then like Mm. you sometimes do but like cramping like you see it a lot and it just it that will that won't happen as often as if if you're strong but then also like you know when you like if you were to kick up into a handspring or if you were to kick up into a brass monkey or even a handstand or whatever it might be you need your lower body to be strong yes You you need that to be strong I know we're like we're just talking the same language but it's like (laughs) I I put up an INX video the other day on like some just I very similar to what you guys do um like here's some drills or here's some stuff and it's not like the full all the movements all I did was give give two lower body exercises yep so many people comment saying why does your lower body need to be strong like why does your and I'm like I'm not saying that just your like to like they're like yeah this isn't the be all and end all but it's important so it's important to add these exercises in. So another one that I saw you um, treat a lot of, and I actually come across it a lot as well as an instructor, is elbow and wrists. Yes. It's huge, right? Yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah. A, lot, a lot. The wrists, uh, the wrists are obvious, but for a lot of people, the elbows aren't. And a lot of people do get um, pain in their elbow. And it could be coming from a whole host of like different areas, right? Because it's all yes. connected, as we know. Yes. I do find sometimes it's still from the shoulder not directly but the cause of the problem is so like they might have tennis elbow or golfer's elbow or whatever Mm. but they actually might be weak in their shoulders and they're overcompensating for that in their 
like mm-hmm. elbow region can be quite a common thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know or, how- too much bottom arm pushing but not like not enough top arm pulling like in say like as you know a standard like upright split grip people overloading their bottom forearm I find that's quite a common thing yeah not and not engaging through that top arm enough or not pulling enough um I also find don't know if you do the same where I think when you when you start cross training you like you start to understand the engagement different muscles but the biggest biggest one for me is lats so many Mm -hmm. people have weak lats um or don't know how to engage their lats so um and they're such a big muscle right and they do so 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 much um but then what's what's happening is then their shoulders are compensating Mm -hmm. um so i'd be doing like i had one girl one student doing like bent over rows and even lat pull downs with a band just a band and not being able to feel it at all because she had like no engagement like all through the shoulder um but when you start training those particular muscles, again, it helps you. It's like um, a lot of it with INX, the reason, like so many people have been saying to me, like, how can you still do that while pregnant? A lot of the muscles that are engaged, yes, there's a lot going on. Yes, it's still through the core, but it's predominantly your lats and obliques. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've got strong engagement through these muscles, like you you can do it safely and securely. It all interlinks, doesn't it? Because it wraps back. But that's something I come across a lot is um, people don't have strong lats, um, not really engaging their lats, not really training them in any capacity. um, And then their shoulders doing all the work and then they're getting shoulder injuries and so on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I think that just feeds back into not really training anything. (laughs) Like there's not a lot of cross training. Like, you know, I like a deadlift huge amount of lat engagement in a deadlift Mm -hmm. if you're doing that sort of stuff like sometimes you don't even need to directly train these things yeah like you're doing as we said it's the same thing with the core with the compound lifts like yeah and as much as people like i found once i started implementing like even just lower body cross training indirectly the effects on my pole were huge like Mm -hmm. even for example like my back strength like weirdly people are like what are you talking about because I have a lot of like back muscle but my like back extension was so weak like when I first started pole I couldn't even do like a flat back like you know when you lean over and put an arm out I couldn't even hold one of those because my back extension was so weak and it remains quite weak I always found back bending hard like all that sort of stuff whereas weights training has that's changed that heaps because even though in a deadlift like you're not actively extending but you have to work your extenders to not crumple forward yeah yeah so yeah. that back strength like which has helped my back flexibility intensely as well is again an indirect byproduct of training legs mm-hmm. even and so people like pole dancers think that that's not related and yeah as you said why train legs but there's so much just in the compound lifts alone but also in leg strength that flows into pole a hundred percent like for me definitely one thing was the the leg engage and the the lines of Mm -hmm. my legs like when like when your legs are strong and also then like there's nothing i really like it anyway but when they look nice and muscular or when they look nice and toned (laughs) you know and and your lines are really nice and you're like oh this is this looks nice yes very nice (laughs) this is great but it also helps with your posture Posture's mm-hmm. huge, right? Posture's yep. like, you know, when you start to realize um, it's a bit like the hip hinge movement that we were talking about. Like a lot of the time in um, 
Aisha's handsprings, whatever D, the D's, the straddles. Um, sorry, the yeah. straddle V's. You know what I'm talking about. You need yeah. to create that nice triangle. And something that you see a lot is a lot of people rounding through their lower yep. back. And again, that comes down to posture sometimes. And there's uh, there's other factors that that implement. Uh, that sorry, that feed into that. That's why they're rounding. But you know, uh, the the just the improvement in posture, from the ability lifting. to keep that position. Yes. Against gravity, a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. So I also the- think another thing of like slightly off topic, but another huge thing from cross training for me, grip strength. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Yes. Like, my, my, my one arm spins improved massively when I, um, when I started cross training, but just, yeah, the grip in itself, like, yeah, I, I actually have no words to say because it's so good. It's, it, it makes such a difference. Like I've, I think, I've always had good grip strength because I've always favored like arm dominant movements, but mm-hmm. like my grip strength, like I competed not, not the weekend, just gone the one before. And people are always stressed about grip. Like someone was worried about the pole being slippery because of the smoke machine. And these are things that just don't even cross my mind. So I'm just like, well, it's fine. I'll be out of grip. Fine. Like I've been in comps and people have come off and been like, the poles are so slippery. And I haven't moved an inch because so strong of like grip strength body tension mm-hmm. which is a huge thing that also comes from body awareness and from cross training like if you're holding yourself in say an outside leg hang and you have you know multiple grip points you have your knee you have the back of your arm you have your side if one of those grip points is compromised you can rely on the other two and lock your body into that shape and in theory you're not going to move like in theory you should be able to hold yourself with just your armpit if your armpit is strong enough and you maintain that shape, you're not going to crumple in on yourself, but you have to have the strength to maintain that shape. So something that I want to just speak, touch on actually, because you compete a lot too. So, and I'd like to get your feedback, uh, like your feedback on this. I've spoken about it a couple of times and something that I see really, really commonly, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about the energy system. So I don't want to be too nerdy and like, I don't want people to listen to it and not understand, but yeah, our body obviously taps into different energy systems depending on the type of exercise that we're doing and I see a lot of people um start to add in like runs like 30 minute 5k runs or you know whatever it might be to try and improve their stamina on the pole mm-hmm. when, they, when they compete um and is there is there anything that you do to try and improve your stamina or have improved your stamina because for me personally looking at it from an energy systems perspective Mm-hmm. it's so much more beneficial to do some, something like a hit workout or you know train in high intensity for a shorter period of time which is going to match the energy system that you're going to use on your four minute routine over and above tapping into the the slower energy system that, mm-hmm. that you're going to tap into when you're on a on like a 5k run which is which is designed to keep you like you know keep the oxygen flowing for longer um yeah. so i want to get your input on that your ideas and again it's just uh, more than anything it's it, it's not slamming people doing runs or you know it's really really good for cardio it's really good for heart health mm-hmm. it's just more bringing awareness that if you really do want to improve your stamina on the pole train smarter train smart yeah 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 uh first and foremost i hate running <laughs> just from a personal perstective it, all the power to you if you like to run um, I yeah. think it's horrendous and I absolutely hate it. Uh, yeah. So safe to say I don't run. Yeah. Um, I completely agree with you just from a science perspective, I guess, yes. or a nerdy perspective. It yeah. doesn't really make sense to me. Like, don't get me wrong. It's the same thing with people that go to the gym and just do random things. It's better than doing nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 
So like not to negate that. So no one thinks that that's what we're doing. No. But for me, I think your time could be so much better spent doing something else. Mm -hmm. um, as you said, like some sort of heat workout, something like that. Look, for me, I don't actually do anything specific other than train my routine. Yeah. Um, like I, you know, I start with my curry or I'll just do my combos or just do my curry and then I'll slowly build that all together and giving myself, giving myself enough time that builds my stamina, but also how I might do my cross training might change. So like in my off season, this might've been two years ago now, but I was doing one RM training. So trying to lift as much weight as I possibly could for one repetition. And that structure of training was so intensely different it was i might do two reps three reps and wait five to seven minutes so that isn't really benefiting my pole routine yeah where yeah. i need to be able to do a bunch of things in a short amount of time whereas if i was to then do this the, you know, i could potentially do the exact same workout the exact same movements but decrease the weight and therefore increase the reps and decrease the rest time Mm -hmm. So I'm still taxing my muscular systems because to me, running is just kind of cardio, but what we do isn't really pure cardio. It's muscular endurance. I was just about to say that you're building, if, you, if you're doing like 12 reps, 10 reps, it's muscular endurance. I was mm -hmm. actually sat here thinking, where is this going? If you were going to, when you said you were training your one rep max, I was like, I thought if you were going to say how that helps, like not, 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 no. not, not saying you don't know your shit, by the way. I mean, like, where is this going? Cause like, that yeah. is an intense, like that's a different energy system. It is, exactly. And that's the thing. So like yeah, yeah, for yeah. me, you know, when I was doing that training, it was in my off season, nowhere near my comps because it doesn't benefit mm -hmm. my stamina in any way, shape or form. I just no. wanted to lift really heavy shit for one rep so that I looked cool. Like that was literally it. Yeah. 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 So, that was then then that was so energy taxing for different reasons yes. that once i got closer to comp that took a back seat mm -hmm. and my training style changed because it wasn't beneficial to my goals for pole so it changed so yeah for me it's more about training my muscular endurance and then like i guess my cardio is dance yeah yeah but that's and that's how i do it 100% and the difference is as well like yes you might not do any type of hit training or anything else to improve your stamina but you cross train a lot you you've mm -hmm. been doing this for for years like it's like if I competed I probably wouldn't need to do too much but cross cross training is like it's not even it's not even up for debate it's in my routine it's in my weekly schedule I cross train yes. two three times and that week. makes you ready it's the same like Alana it, yeah. at my clinic she it, it was a little bit different. We competed two weeks ago together and she had a really, really high energy routine. And for the first time ever, she was like, I'm concerned about get, being able to get through this routine. She's never, <laughs> ever had to feel like that before because she has always cross-trained and she's done a lot of hit stuff in the past. Yeah. So we would be training for routines and she wouldn't even be tired. And I'm like, what? How? Like, screw you this yeah. is not and she's like, i've been doing this stuff for such a long time but it's so true like she has that background that allowed her to just don't get me wrong she also prepped her routines really hard and really of well but, yeah but like she had that background so that the stamina situation wasn't really an issue because she was training she didn't go for runs she was lifting heavy things with short amounts of rest she was doing muscular like exercises that require strength 
but also with short recovery time, which is exactly what we're asking of our body when we're yeah. doing a routine. We're not mm-hmm. asking our body to do steady state cardio. No, we're exactly. Our body to do really, really, really intense, you know, close to your maximum muscular Outlet. capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then do some, like a little bit of cardio and then do some more muscular endurance. So to me, running doesn't make sense as the most efficient way. Back to yeah. the West Fifth argument. It, it like, It'll help, but it's yeah. not the most efficient way to get there. It's just something that I've seen like uh, professional polners add in before or speak about. And it could be quite old school now. I don't know. And it's again, it's not to take anything away or, or give any to say you shouldn't do it. It's just something that the more I've studied and the more knowledge that I've gained, um, it's just something that like I really, really want to bring awareness to that if you are looking to compete and you do, you are worried about your stamina or, you know, first of all, just adding in cross training alone will absolutely help you. But the energy system that you're using, like, the, en- the energy system that we use when we do pole needs like two, three minutes to recover, which is how much time you have off the pole, not in the comp, not in a comp, but yes. you know, yes. in, in lessons, like two, three minutes, then you're back on again. Like you say, yes. when you're running, you're tapping into that slow, steady state. Um, and that's what we're trying to mirror. That's like, it's just training smart. Like you said, isn't it training efficiently, yes. training smart, um, and getting the most out of your, getting the most out of your sessions. It's the same when it comes to cross training. Like if you uh-huh. are going, if you are going to the gym, and you're not really seeing much improvement in pole. Um, yes, there could be other factors going on, but probably something's not right with your training. And that's when, like, the programming. Yeah, reach out to somebody. Like, someone can, someone can help with programming who knows, understands the sport and stuff like that. A hundred percent, exactly. Like, yeah, we like the the people we managed to convince to cross train see such good results from oh, doing. Yes, that they are like they are just then converted to it because it really does it works it helps and proper programming also helps astronomically but something is better than nothing like if you can't afford proper programming if you like whatever it is something is better than nothing when it comes to cross training but it is it's a train smarter not harder if you have access to the resources you may as well use them to get the most efficiency out of your training you can only do so much training like rest is also so important we haven't even touched on but you have like you cannot do everything so the things you're doing may as well be specific towards your goals rather than just randomly trying stuff yeah and like you don't need to be spending like an hour an hour and a half in the gym like Mm -hmm. not if you're doing pole pole, or pole aerial like we're training to just you know there's, there's like you say there's smart ways of training um that you can train efficiently so that you're not you don't have to be in the gym for hours and hours on end like just a couple of times a week or even That's at home even once even yeah. once a week, like cool two or three would be great but like even once a week you will see a huge improvement I see it with my girls um so I run two kettlebell classes a week and I have girls that come to one that have slowly started creeping up to coming to two and the the, the ones that come to one huge 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 improvements the one that comes to two like the 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 improvements are just absolutely crazy um but you know even the ones that come like once a week you know you can get so much done you can you can improve your strength so 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 much so much but like you say it's just just start somewhere yeah 100 percent. and like the thing is too i think a lot of again without getting too nerdy but a lot of strength building is actually like neurological it's not physical muscle building so like some people are worried about like looking a certain way they don't like a muscular look but also muscle building does take a lot of time yes but 
your training kind of has to be specific towards that for you to even get down that way. But what actually happens initially is neurological strength gains. So you don't gain any muscle, you don't look any stronger necessarily, but you get so much stronger so quickly because your neurological system adapts quickly. So like in a non-nerdy way, I guess what's happening is your body's getting more efficient at doing what it's doing. It's why anything gets easier. It's why an outside leg hang gets easier the more you do it because your body creates new pathways and knows how to do it with the least amount of energy output so that you're capable of doing more. So yeah, even, you know, within reason, two or three sessions a week would be great. But even one, you will notice you get stronger quicker because those neurological pathways are building like quite quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And even like, so I say to my girls all the time, just focus on your form as well. Like you don't have to be, you don't have to be smashing out like, yes, it's cool to see you get stronger, but you don't necessarily have to be smashing out these big heavy weights. Like mm-hmm. go through the movement, get your form spot on um, and you'll, you'll, it, it will come. hundred <laughs> percent. It will come. And it will. It really will. Oh no. I'm, I, I love getting, I love getting people like you on because it just, it just, it like, it solidifies. I know, I know what I'm talking about. You know what you're, know yeah. what you're talking about, but when you speak to Nice to have someone that agrees. Yeah, and you're like, yes, and also just because then people listen to this and then be like, okay, maybe they, maybe they've they're both saying this. the same thing. Like yeah. this hasn't been pre-planned. Maybe maybe they're both onto something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is hugely hugely beneficial. I really, Lauren, I really really appreciate you taking the time. Like, I know it's getting late in Australia. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I'd totally I totally am a night owl anyway. It's I fun. could talk to you for days. This is the worst thing about the pod. Always um having to stop them because we could just talk about everything. I say yeah, we, we, we didn't even yeah. There's so much stuff we didn't even deep dive on. That's all right. We can always do a 2.0 in the future. If absolutely. Are yes. Absolutely. I have people come on multiple times talk about different subjects. Um, maybe some people from your team get like yeah a duo on let's get going yeah yeah I I have a huge like the pod does really really well in Australia um so I mean Australia is huge (laughs) there's a massive I mean it's huge it's a land mass it's huge population wise not so much but yeah (laughs) it's just yeah um so yeah that would that would be wicked I'll keep you posted anyway like these these type these types of pods the ones that were that I, I have like professionals on um always do really well <laughs> people That's always so want to yeah it's That's good cool. it's yeah yeah and this is why I want to really go like niche specific as well like let's talk about stuff that's really going to help people and I hope anybody listening to this today just to even take something away from this or be like okay maybe I should be strengthening my shoulders or maybe I should be looking at maybe I should be watching these girls content just a little bit more and seeing what they're saying yeah just do some of our exercises you know even if we get one person to join a gym it's worth it 100% and that's always that's always the positive outcome out of it thank you so much I really 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 do appreciate your time no I thank you so much for having me it's been fantastic